From the production studio at ACEC National Headquarters in Washington, D.C., I'm Jeff Urbanchuk, and welcome to another edition of Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. Now, as part of its long-term strategic plan, one of the things that ACEC is doing right now is, is really looking at expanding its offerings when it comes to the issues of inclusion, diversity, equity, and belonging. And one way of expanding uh, our offerings is through education. And we are now going to be offering in April a new six-part course, which is a roadmap to uh, diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, and it is, again, it's going to be a six-part course that really is focused on giving our member firms, the attendees, uh, our, our member firm executives, the tools, resources, and knowledge that they need to come away from the course to either you know, re reinvigorate or re revitalize uh, their firm's existing uh, programs for DEI and B, or to forge new ground to start their own strategies and put their new policies in place to make their firms a more welcoming and inclusive environment, not only for existing firms, but for future employees. And to dig into the specifics of this course and why it's so important for our industry, especially today, with the workforce that is uh, uh, coming out of college and joining the engineering industry, I'm very, very pleased to be joined by the course instructor, Mindy Gulati. She is the founder and CEO of a Fundamental Advisory, a consulting firm that works with nonprofits, businesses, and law firms to set up uh, and discuss these issues and help her clients uh, forge this ground to set up policies and procedures to conduct workshops and focus groups on how they can successfully uh, begin their own journeys into the areas of uh, DEI. Uh, and Mindy, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. So, Mindy, I, your, your experience, I, you work with a wide range of clients um, on, on these issues. Uh, engineering is, is its own small world um, of, of, of uh, you know, and, and we have kind of a set way of we've been doing things the same way for a very long time, and now there's been this push to change. Um, how is this course being structured to kind of address the needs of, of engineering executives? Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm excited to be a part of it because what I think is, is great about this course is it's going to set up your engineering companies, um, small, mid-size, to really do this work from a thoughtful, intentional place. Um, I, my background is I'm an attorney, so I know law firm culture very well. Law firms and engineering firms are not so different in their rigidity, in their uh, way of doing things, and, and, I, and I work with lots of engineering firms on their DEI program. And so what I thought would be interesting for ACEC members is to really give you a, a place to come to learn about what DEI really is, how you actually implement it within your organization, um, how you can do that even if you don't have a dedicated DEI person or lead. Um, and then the structure of these courses is meant to be uh, group coaching. Uh, and we're going to spend a lot of our time learning, but a lot of time I will be answering questions and diving deep into specifics of the attendees and their, their, their firms and, and what the pain points they're struggling with, maybe some of their goals. And so what I like about this course is it 
it's comprehensive. It is a, you know, it's not a super long time commitment, but it's enough that you will leave uh, really equipped as a leader to go forward and, and, and implement a lot of the DEI efforts that are necessary, you know, in our global economy um, across the country. You raise a really good point when you say that, you know, especially for those firms that might not have staff that are specifically tasked to setting up these programs. Yeah, in your experience working with, you know, engineering firms and working with other maybe small businesses or, you know, second stage businesses that are that are looking to kind of develop uh, these programs, how, how should a firm first approach, you know, from a, from a blank page, um, kind of looking at a DEI program? I mean, where do you think it should arise within a business if it's going to be taken as a, as a, as a strategic underpinning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and great question. And what I'll share with you is I work with some startups that have four or five people working for them, right, all the way up to big Fortune 500 companies. And it's different depending on the company. And so even if you have 10 employees or 50 employees or 100 employees, you don't need a dedicated person um, because likely you're small enough that that's really not the best use of your time, energy, and effort. However, the leadership can then drive DEI. Um, even if you are a Fortune 500 company with all the resources and all the, uh, you know, chief diversity officers and, and managers, you still have to have executives and leadership be fully involved in the program, or it really doesn't work. And so, what I what I think is 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 interesting for for the firms to be thinking about how can we even do this? The the method and the approach that that I take and my firm takes is something called awareness, action, and accountability. And so you really have to have awareness at a, at a really deep level uh, as to why you're doing this work, why it's meaningful and important to your firm, which is going to be different from a different firm. You know, you can have regional differences, geographical differences, the industries that you're in, the contracts you're going after. There's going to be a lot that goes into your why. And that's, we're going to spend some time in this course really having the leaders explore their why, why this work is important to them. Um, but, but as you're you know, embarking on that and trying to think about how you're going to put this into your organization, you have awareness, but then you have to put actions behind it. Those are things like strategic plans, you know, developing a hiring and, and a recruiting process that's really thorough and intentional. You have to do things like uh, make sure that your leadership's your leadership has the, the competency to lead with an inclusive lens. Um, and then accountability is really key. And this is where um, this resides a lot with leadership. And so even if you're a small firm, even if you only have 100 or 200 people working for you, um, accountability really comes into putting in place things like performance metrics to measure whether people in the firm are supporting these efforts, whether they are being inclusive and fair and, and respectful in their practices. And then also part of accountability is doing you know, some audits and some measurement, right? So DEI, again, is not just about training and awareness. It's important, but if you don't have action or accountability behind it, 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 it really is just an exercise in, in knowledge growth, which is important. But you know, I, I find a lot of people read a lot about DEI. They read a lot about you know, anti-racism efforts or gender inequities. But when I ask them, well, what have you done with what you've read? They don't, they haven't done much, right? And so um, I, I really want to make sure that through this course, we're, we're building that awareness, but we're moving into action and then ways to actually measure and hold your firm accountable. 
Yeah, it seems from the conversations I've heard with, with firm executives, a lot of the times these pushes towards setting up a program, if one does not exist within a firm, usually does start at a pretty high level in the C-suite, either the president, CEO, or, or, or someone very high up to really force this through. But it's not the kind of thing where you can create a plan and then put it on the shelf, to your point. Um, the importance here is it has to be driven through leadership of the firm, but then beyond that, that action and accountability side that, that you mentioned, it really comes into play where a DEI plan has to help shift the culture of the firm, right? It has to be embedded within the business. Um, when you're looking at setting metrics up to kind of help guide the success or the progress of a DEI plan, um, what's the split between, you know, how do you set those metrics? Are they quantitative or are they qualitative or is it a kind of a mixture of the two? Is it really dependent upon the firm? I mean, yeah, uh, from your experience, how, what, what, is there a formula that works or is it just kind of dependent upon the culture that you find at the firm? Yeah, and, and, and there is not a formula, right? There are, there are some things that you can do that work. But what I would say is, I think one of the reasons that DEI programs don't work is because people want sort of the off-the-shelf 10 best practices implemented and we're all good. But every company I work, is, work with is very different, right? I work with a couple of engineering firms um, right now, and they, they are very different, right? They have a culture. They have a feel. They have um, business needs. They have pressure points. They have things they excel at. And so when you're putting into to, um, practice both the policy and, and some of the DEI goals and initiatives, um, they have to be very specific and custom to the organization. Um, and there are a lot of qualitative type um, uh, data that you can gather. Um, and, and I like to do things like listening sessions, focus groups, um, you know, feedback, uh, there, there's a whole host of quantitative things we can do. And then there's the qualitative, um, which is really important as well, right? So we want to be mixing both aspects of, of, of collecting that data. You can't just set up a survey and say, are we an inclusive firm, right? Um, you really have to ask, what does it mean to be included? You know, how are your managers handling conflict? Um, you know, what does it take to be successful at this firm? So I ask a lot of these questions when setting up any DEI program, right? I, I like to do what I call a culture assessment on a firm and, and firms can learn to do this as well, right? Um, I do it as an external consultant, but internally you can do some of these same assessments and I'm gonna talk about this in this training. The other thing I'll mention to you all, to mention to you is that in this, in this six part series, the, set, the sixth module that will be taught will be getting at the policy statement or creation. And that's gonna be very specific to each of the companies that will be joining you. So they're not all gonna have, they're not all gonna be even ready to do that. Um, some of them are gonna want a statement. Some of them are ready for a policy. But what I remind them is you have to do some walking before you talk, right? You don't wanna go out and just boast, hey, we got a DEI plan or DEI statement and then put it on the shelf, right? You gotta walk first then you can talk about it. So you have to have some something in place. And this program is gonna get you walking, right? One foot in front of the other so that you can start talking about what you're doing. And I find that the firms, engineering firms in particular that I work with, we have done a significant amount of walking before the strategy or the plan was developed, right? Because we really wanna make sure it's something that is uh, tied to business values and business strategy that is really going to, in the end, create 
measurable change in the organization. The benefits of DEI are clear. The research has been out for 30 years, right? 30 years in terms of showing, you know, uh, uh, organizations that are more diverse and inclusive are more profitable. They're more innovative. Um, they meet challenges like a COVID pandemic a lot easier than firms that are not attuned to these things, right? So you, there, there's a lot of research out there, but what we need to do is figure out for each individual firm what that really looks like. And so I think that's what your the leaders who come to this program are going to get is they're going to start to think about for my firm, what does DEI look like? What do we need to measure? What are our goals and objectives? How are we going to hold each other accountable during this work? And then that's going to really result in not only a better culture, but better service to your clients. And, and I see a lot of engineering clients really wanting firms to be more aware and digging into these topics, uh, uh, you know, and, and I've seen that in RFP requests, and it's, it's really fascinating to watch how it's kind of been evolving over time. That's true. I mean, that's something else that we've heard is that, um, you know, we have firms reporting back that they're, they're seeing more requirements in RFPs that the project teams reflect the communities where they're going to be designing and working in these, you know, for, for these projects. And it's, it's become, I mean, for those out there that, that, you know, still would consider this as something that is, that is more of a, a like to have or a want to have, it's becoming more of a need to have from a business standpoint as more public agencies really take a hardline view about the makeup of the clients and the, and the consultants that they do hire. And what we've also found is that generally the teams, the project teams with uh, more diverse representation uh, generally come up with better solutions for the client. Uh, there are more voices at the table and there are more uh, 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 perspectives uh, and approaches than uh, you would have with a more hom hom you know, homogenous group. Um, you know, one, of, one of the firms I was working with um, a, a couple months back uh, we did a podcast uh, and, and, and we were talking about this and, and, and specifically on how the, the firm put together its, its program. And it's something that you touched upon when you were talking about, you know, really that how do you make it work? It's that listening session. It's that understanding and, and, and getting feedback from employees that it seems like the firms that have the best of success at these programs are those that will take the time and actually focus on the B part of the DEI and B, which is the belonging portion, which is giving everyone an equal seat at the table and making sure that their voices are heard and not only heard, but taken under consideration that they feel as though their input hasn't just been registered, but it's actually been received and, and integrated into the decision-making process. Uh, in your experience working with your clients, I mean, have you seen that, that the firms that actually not only just say, it's one thing to say, yes, we're listening, but the ones that actually actively engage with their employees and solicit input are the ones that are a little bit ahead of the curve? Definitely. And, and what I would say is I think that the world has shifted. Um, it was already going this way, but the world has shifted definitely since the pandemic in that employees want to feel like they have a place where they're contributing to the organization's success. People do not want to go to, to work and just clock in and clock out, right? They, they understand that there is a finite amount of time in life and, and they want to contribute. And there's a lot of um, employment surveys that are done across companies. And, you know, I look at Gallup surveys and Amplify surveys a lot with other, with, you know, some, some clients that I work with, but just generally out there. And, and one thing that I see employees really want to contribute um, if you are not creating an inclusive 
equitable culture that values diversity, you'll never have that belonging, that sense that people can actually contribute to the organization's success. It's not enough to get a group of people together that have different lived experiences uh, and say, fantastic, right? That's meaningless unless you include their perspectives, right? And this is not just diversity of thought. This is diversity of actual lived experience, right? Um, a woman is going to have a different perspective than, than a, you know, than somebody who's, you know, a, a man or, or somebody who's, you know, a, who's black is going to have a different perspective than someone who's uh, Latino. And, and, and we know that, right? And, and it's about creating a space where your identity, the complexity of your identity, your race, your class, your education, your, you know, all the different things that make up our identity, how they really come into play to create the, the innovative and creative ideas you can bring to the table. And so what I find, especially with younger folks, right, kids who are coming out of college, people coming out of college, um, they're really looking for organizations where they are going to get there and they are going to be included. I sit in on interviews and people are asking questions like, hey, I'm you know, a queer man and I'm coming to your engineering firm. How am I going to be treated here? And then they're asking this in the interview. So if you're not ready for that, you're going to lose some top talent. Um, and, and, and I've heard the opposite in terms of doing assessments where I have heard Queer folks um, say, I can't disclose that this organization. Like, I'm not letting them know anything about my personal life because it's not something that I feel, you know, I am safe or I feel that um, it will be seen as a value add. And, and I think that, you know, what I want to get organizations to really look at is that when we harness the beauty and complexity of diversity um, and bring all of those voices truly to the table for meaningful contribution, that is the goal of all this work, right? DEI has been around, called different things for decades, right? But DEI is really about making sure that people, where we spend most of our lives as adults is that work, where we really come and we're contributing. And, and you all, as you know, the leaders and the owners of these firms, that's what you want as well, right? And I think gone are the days where you can just expect people to show up and get their work done um, without having a sense that they're contributing to something. and the competition is getting fierce in the engineering world because there are a lot of firms who are heavily um, focused on creating this environment that meets the needs of, of people um, and, and meets the needs of you know, the complexity of life. And they're winning the war on talent. Um, and so I think whether you're a small firm, mid-sized firm, it's really important to understand these things. And it's complex, right? That's why we're going to break it down into individual modules and, and and again, even with these six, there's still, um, you know, hundreds of hours more of, of learning that you're going to need to do. But this, this program will set you up with, I think, a really strong foundation to move into your firms um, with this DEI lens. Yeah, I, really well put. I, I think the, uh, the, you know, that, that, like you said, the lived experience of the employees um, and again, you know, it's just not, you know, what everybody talks about, everybody, you know, when everyone talks about these issues, of course, everybody first thinks gender or race, ethnicity, but it's also geography. It's also education. It's also, you know, where where someone is from compared to where the firm is located, or if you if you hire from certain schools, that uh, someone who might have been educated outside of your normal group, uh, or where you get your general pool of talent, might have a different perspective as well. So it's all these different little variables that have to be taken into consideration. Uh, and, and, and it really is, is a complex issue. Um, 
I want to do. I do want to touch on one of the things that you are going to touch on on the later part of the of, of the modules, and that's the the different types of bias um, that that you, firms have to kind of recognize. Number one, recognize, and number two, kind of deal with. Um, you know, how are you going to approach that issue, which sometimes is a very thorny issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and I look at it like this. I say, don't be biased about bias, right? Like, you're a human. You have a human brain. You have cognitive biases. You have about 150, 180 cognitive biases. And they are with you, whether you want them there or not. And they affect how you interact in the world. And, and they affect your decision-making. They affect who you like to be around. They affect who you hire, who you promote. And so that section is really going to be uh, a, a, an awareness-raising exercise to really understand how bias influences your decision-making. Look, I work, again, I work with lots and lots of engineers and lots and lots of lawyers. Both groups like to think they're the most rational, fact-based folks in the world, and that's the only way they make their decisions. But humans make 35,000 decisions a day. They're almost all unconsciously made. And so until we just become comfortable with the fact that you have biases and they're steering you in a way, in a direction, um, you get to be comfortable with it and then you can start to recognize them, right? And so I have a process that I'll be teaching about how to recognize and identify your biases. Um, it's not a blame and shame, right? Um, uh, most of your biases are formed in your early childhood. You had zero say in who you were exposed to in your early childhood, right? You had no you had no ability to say, I don't like this idea, I'm moving on when you're three years old, right? So we're going to explore that, but we're going to think about how you actually move the way, um, move your bias, rewrite your script, um, you know, and, and it's not just bias as you as an individual. I mean, implicit bias is important to understand, but we also have to look at our organizational bias. Organizations are built by humans. Thus, there's going to be bias baked in. And a lot of it is unintentional. A lot of it is hard to see. But, but we're, I'm going to teach and give you some tools on how to start to recognize organizational bias, right? Because, again, bias is an output of, it's a human brain function. But what it does is it builds organizations. It builds systems. It builds laws and policies. I'm a lawyer. Uh, lawyers are humans who write laws. They write policies. There is a lot of bias um, in institutional forms of oppression baked into the world, right? And, and what I will even say, just an example that just came to me is there's an RFP right now going out to some engineering firms, and, and I've been looking at it for a firm I'm working with, and they don't want to just know that you have a diverse team. What, what this RFP is actually asking for is they want to make sure that your firm can thoroughly evaluate the racial impact of the project on the community, right? And so if you ignore bias or you don't want to deal with it or you think it's you know something that's not as an exist, you're not gonna be able to be effective on that on that bid. And if you get if you you know have somebody write something that's not true when you get into those conversations, it's not gonna work, right? And so I'm finding that there is a lot of um, recognition from government municipalities that policies and um, things like redlining have have created very disproportionate and very um, uh, vast inequities. And so bias is not just about your own personal bias, right? We're we're thinking about how did these, you know, how did this, you know, wa wastewater treatment plant get put in this community? Where did that come from? It didn't just spring out of nowhere, right? It was influenced and informed through bias, a lot of times unintentional, sometimes intentional. 
But now, as an engineer firm bidding on that project, you're being asked to evaluate, you know, how are these improvements going to affect the community? What racial disparities are they going to create? And so, I mean, this is just one of many RFPs I've read that are very much digging into making sure the engineering firms understand that you all don't exist singularly, you are connected to a whole community. And I think that's the awesomeness of, of this work is that awareness raising, but moving it into actions and then accountability is really how we create more safe and thriving and healthy communities for everybody. Yeah, it, the, the, there's a lot here to cover. I, I don't want to give away everything in the course though. That's the thing, that's the, that's the, that's the challenge, so. <laughs> you Scott, Mindy, please stop telling about this. <laughs> But I, again, you know, this is coming up uh, very soon, just a month away, um, and uh, uh, in April, it's designing a roadmap to uh, diversity, equity, and belonging, and it's being offered again as a six-part series, and Mindy Galati will be instructing that series. They are uh, live sessions. There's communities that you can join. There's a community you can join online. There's a lot of information sharing, so it's not just, you know, it's 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 a very, it's, 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 uh, interactive and it's something that you can get a lot of value for and the link to more information about that course is going to be in the show notes on this uh, on this podcast so Mindy I really do appreciate the time uh, you've taken today to kind of preview the course and, and I would love to have you back on to uh, talk about these issues in depth and maybe after the course we don't have to give away the secrets of what's going to happen in the modules yeah fantastic I'd love to come back fantastic and Again, uh, you know, take a look and, 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 and please register. If this is a course like the last one, uh, the last couple that we've done, um, they registration goes quick. Um, and we have a set amount of seats, so act quickly. Uh, it's all I can say because they're very, very popular. And thank you again for joining us on this podcast. This has been Engineering Influence from the American Council of Engineering Companies. We will see you next time.